Hi, and welcome to yet another episode of The Work. The Work is a podcast that Gene Achille and I host every week, and we interview the great minds of the HR technology industry and the areas that influence the HR technology industry. This week, we're really lucky to have Heather Bussing. Heather is sometimes understood as the secret weapon in content development for uh, uh, a number of vendors in the HR technology space. Heather is an, an employment attorney who teaches law. She teaches introductory writing at the uh, Empire School of Law in Santa Rosa. She's um, She's a very long-term employment lawyer and understands all the puts and takes on employment, employment law. And recently, she has been active in understanding and furthering the details of pay equity. And so we're going to dig into Heather's um, uh, body of knowledge here so that you can get some of the benefits she charges so much for elsewhere. <laughs> Hi, Heather. Hi. Heather, it's great to have you join us today. Why don't, now that John has done this splendid job of introducing you, why don't you introduce yourself and, and tell us, you know, tell us what has brought you to us today in terms of this, this uh, pay equity topic and why it's so important. Yeah. Pay equity is the easiest place to start with diversity, equity, and inclusion because it is math and it involves statistical analysis and you get at the result of a pay equity audit, you get a range of people in your comparable jobs and you can tell who the outliers are and you can look at their demographic information and you can say this person should be paid more. And you do not have to change hearts and minds. You just have to come up with money. Well, so why don't people look at the numbers and do that? I mean, that sounds very straightforward to me, but why do they, why do organizations resist this so much? Is it that they simply don't have the tools to do it? It's partly that, but it's partly because they're scared that they're going to find out they have problems because they will. I mean, every, Every organization has bias and women, if you look at the overall pay information, women make less than men in every single profession, every single one. And, and even when men join traditionally women's jobs, like become primary kindergarten teachers or nurses, um, they still make more than women. <laughs> oh my gosh, I did not realize that. That that's just so discouraging. That is so discouraging. Yeah. How, um, so so who owns this? Like who in an organization owns fixing this? Um everyone. Um but but it involves money, so you have to start with the top and get, you know, authority to figure this out. You need to get probably lawyers involved to help guide you through the process. And, and the data is discoverable, but, but your analysis and your discussions with your 
attorney about how to deal with it and the, your strategy, that can all be protected by attorney client and work product privilege. So you've got legal, you've got HR, you've got finance, and you've got senior leadership um, are the are the players. And and then there's this uh it's sort of a push me pull you between pay transparency and equal pay because organizations are terrified of pay transparency. They're just terrified of it because um, they don't want to talk about money. They don't want it out there, what people make. They don't want people coming back and saying, hey, um, he makes more than I do. <laughs> I need a raise here. Um, and so it's the combination of sort of potential liability and just baked in um, beliefs about the role of men and women as breadwinners and money makers in the world. And so you can still see the the influence. I mean, it it goes it goes way, way back. I mean, in World War One, when all the men went off to fight and all the women went to work, because the work still had to be done. Then when the men came back, the women had to give up their jobs because they were taking the job of a man. It's just, it just is amazing that we're in 2023 and we're still holding on to models that can be tracked back <laughs> more than a hundred years ago. Oh, it's yeah. crazy. But is this just a problem in the United States or do you see this as a problem in other countries as well? Well, gender bias, you know, is cultural and it exists in many cultures. <laughs> Yeah, sadly, sadly. And we um, always hold ourselves up to you know, being kind of the vanguard of best practices. And yet what I'm hearing you say is we're we're a bit dismal in this particular we have area. So far to go. So far to go. And and one of the big problems, I mean, we've had equal pay laws on the books since the Equal Pay Act of 1963, so 50 years. Mm -hmm. Women still don't do equal work. What do you mean by that, Heather? I'm Everyone's curious. focused on the equal pay piece, but you you're have to compare the work that is being done and determine whether women are making less. But, it, but who still runs the government and corporations and businesses and, you know, it's primarily men. So is that is that an argument not to pay women fairly is because no. we're not able to achieve the same it, level of career aspirations? No, it's it's a you have to look at the systemic issues mm -hmm. um, and you have to look not only at what people are doing and whether there's equal pay for equal work, but do women have the opportunity to move up? Do they get promoted? And if not, why not? Mm -hmm. And and it again, it goes to gender bias. It's um, 
you know, men are scared that if they share power, we will treat them the way they have treated us. They have treated us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. Ouch, right? Ouch. Well, and let's go, let's go back to pay transparency for a moment because you know, I came up through the ranks when it was absolutely forbidden to ever discuss your compensation with a colleague. I mean, like, like crazy off limits and you would never think to tell anyone how much money you made. Um, and yet now there are certain jurisdictions where you have to put it in the job ad. Um, now I see, you know, from some of the things we see on social media, some of the posts are absurd. Like, you know, the job, the pay scale is like from 8,000 to, you know, 800,000 just so they right. can throw a number out there. But will things change? as pay becomes more transparent at the front end of the employee life cycle when we look at it, you know, starting from the beginning with re the recruiting process? Sure, sure. Because because money, information is is power. Um, you know, you, you don't go buy a car not doing your research on how much it's worth, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you walk into the dealership and you have an idea of of what it's worth and what you're willing to pay and what you're trying to negotiate, and that information is going to be available for jobs, much more so than it is now. I mean, there, you know, there's lots of pay data out there, some of it more accurate than others, but having that information is is key to going in and and negotiating a fair salary. And it's also important for companies who are trying to understand where they fit in the market and what competitive pay looks like. And so we're going to see a lot more accurate information out there that's going to enable everybody to do a better job. I love that analogy. You know, as you were talking, I'm I'm envisioning walking around, uh, you know, a car dealership, which is probably one of the most loathsome experiences one could ever have in life. But, you know, the fact that you can walk over to the window of the car and there is a very detailed um, bill of sale with the price, with all the features, I mean, all the information is right there. You can make a decision. And yet this crazy dance goes on when you're negotiating a position with a company. And sometimes compensation is something you don't find out to the last moment. So all of your time and energy has been wasted as well as potentially missed opportunities, you know, if you were entertaining several offers. Um, so it sounds like this is a bit of a fix, but yeah. it still sounds like there are some underlying issues that it doesn't fix. Um, I'm curious, John is John has a quizzical look on his face, so I don't know if he has something he wants to throw in here. It means well, he's thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the steam out of his ears. <laughs> the, the thing about the thing about the number that's advertised with the job ad is that it's like the bait on a hook. Um, and um, it means some things, but it may not mean everything that it appears to mean. And so, so one of the things that you're going to see as the result of pay transparency is um, an explosion of companies who will be able to tell you what people are offering in their uh, job ads 
And the question of whether or not that has anything to do with what people are actually paying is um, impossible to tell from job ads, right? And so, and so pay transparency has these, these interesting predictable consequences as you go down the road. The first consequence is there's going to be way more noise about what the actual value of a job is. Uh, because there'll be a spread of information, none of it validated by pay stubs saying this is what somebody who does that actually makes, right? So you've got that first layer. And then it will reconcile over time. It will reconcile a decade maybe for the data to get more focused so that you can actually start to trust what's in the pay transparency stuff. And as that happens and it will cause a narrowing of the ranges in which you can pay people. Um, and that's, that's actually a function of pay transparency, which leads you into pay equity, which constrains the, the freedom of the um, uh, compensator to pay individuals um, and looks at classes as a way of defining compensation. Um, and that means that. Because, because bias and ugly things like racism aren't numbers that what happens you get all this quantification done is you chase those um, ugly dynamics into dark corners. And so you'll see non-cash compensation um, mm. um, evolve in ways that we have got. And Heather's over here shaking her head. Like a uh, good lawyer should. I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't think there'll be there'll be dark corners? Will we be shining a light on those? <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely. Um, you know, job ads are only one tiny aspect of pay transparency. Um, part of California's new law requires you to actually send pay and demographic information to the state regulators. The it used to be called the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, but now I can't remember. It's Civil Rights Division or something. Um, and we're going to see that at the federal level eventually. It was enacted under Obama and Trump rolled it back. And, and that will come back as part of the EEO1 reporting process. So we're going to have regulators looking at demographics and pay. We also have HR technology companies that have astounding information on pay. Um, and some of them are through comp surveys, some of them are from actual payroll data. And so, you know, many of those are offering the ability to price jobs in the market. And, and so there are tools available that provide accurate pay transparency, not the, you know, I'm complying with nonsense job ad ranges. And those those are going to get dialed back because the the rules are not um, put anything. The rules are put what you actually are willing to pay. And there's going to be accountability for that. Yeah, I would hope so. You know. Because some of it is nonsense right now. Oh, and exactly. Exactly. I, you know, I'm I'm fascinated by what you're talking about, though, with regard to the HR technology vendors, because I think I just heard John say 10 years. I, I don't know 
if I, I'm taking that out of context, in terms of when like real data would be available. Is that it or, it's or available now? It's available it's, now. Okay. It's available now. But it's self-reported by the employer or self-reported by the employee? Neither. Okay. I Where mean, it's some some vendors have actual payroll data. So, mm-hmm. you know, think of the big payroll. Yep. Yep. Uh, vendors. And and others have compensation data based on salary surveys and, you know, it's reported by the organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, and none John that, actually knows more about that than I do. Yeah, 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 none of that is transparent or broadly available to anybody who wants it. It all is kept under the taboo cloak that precedes this pay transparency idea. And so, so... Yes, the data's there. Yes, if you're a smart company, you can buy into systems that give you clear capacity to validate your pay externally and internally. But there's no mechanism that I'm aware of that causes you to validate to, to validate your job postings against that data. And I don't see an accountability function. I don't see the government going, oh, you advertise for an engineer and the range was this, but you're actually paying that, so shame on you. Um, I don't understand how that would happen yet. That 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 regulation doesn't seem to be to be a place, although Heather, you are the master of <laughs> You're this our stuff. expert on this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the, the, I can speak to California's pay transparency, and you the rule is you must put the pay range that you are willing to pay for that job in the job at. Now, nobody's going to get in trouble for paying more than that. Nobody's ever going to get in trouble for paying more than the range that you advertise. But if you are consistently paying less or the or the range that you post is completely meaningless, somebody's going to come and say this is not compliant. So, so, so yeah, uh, John, go ahead. <laughs> More so, questions so, so coming you're, up. <laughs> so, so you're you're left with the thing that I've been talking about, which is that that if you have to be transparent and pay what you say you're paying in the ad, the only choice that you have is to either pay in the ad, offer in the ad what you're already paying. Or give everybody in your organization a raise so that you can pay up at the next level. And with a with a shrinking labor market, um, wages are going to be continually running upstream, and the the capacity of the government to validate the changes in the necessary wages to remain competitive compared to what you're paying internally and decide whether or not you're being transparent because the two things can't match. That's the problem that's going to take a while to iron out. That's good. Right. But, but I, you know, as I just explained, if wages are increasing um, and you want to pay more than the, than the amount that you advertise, nobody's, going to complain about that. So where do they go complain? Is it Department of Labor or these, you know, where, well, it, if would, I'm be, a, it yeah. would be the states that have these laws at this point. There's okay. no federal law um, okay. that requires it except for except for public 
you know, all public employees pay is public Mm -hmm. and easily obtainable. Union pay is negotiated by contract Mm -hmm. and also not hard to find because unions have always advertised (laughs) accurately what they pay. Um, And so, you know, it's private employers that have yet to get on the bandwagon and it, you know, it's, again, it's partly cultural and it's partly um, practical that if you keep salary secret, then you can pay whoever you want, whatever you want, and nobody will know. Um, But that's, you know, that's the dark corner of discrimination. Um, And what was the other part? Well, and but you're bringing us back to to one of the reasons where we've come together today, and that is the dark corner of discrimination. Right. Um, because the, this this goes back to pay transparency. If if I can go to that car dealer and read the sticker on the car, um, does it matter if I'm a woman reading that sticker or a man? Uh, it shouldn't, right. but it it does right now. I mean, I I personally can remember having a conversation with, I won't name the the employer, um, but during salary negotiations, uh, my soon-to-be boss told me point blank, and at this time, I really needed the job, so there, I had no wiggle room. Right. But he, he basically said, uh, don't think I'm going to pay you more because you're not a man. I mean, literally said that to me in the salary negotiation phase of signing on. Um, and because I was, you know, it painted in a corner just through life's, you know, trials and tribulations, uh, I took the job. Um, but what a crazy thing to say to someone. And and so so adding insult to injury, when I read the stats, it looks like women of color are even I mean, it's horrendous. The numbers are horrendous. We're talking scores of years before there's any kind of equity in this situation. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, March is is equal pay day for women in general. But for black women, equal pay day is not until late August. Mm -hmm. And for Latinas, it's not until late fall. I mean, there, you know, some people put it October, some people put it in December. And what equal pay day is, is the day that women have made the same amount that men made in the prior year. So it Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So it takes most women 15 months to make what a man makes in 12 months. And for Latinas, it takes almost two years. Crazy. John, and, what say you? <laughs> well, let me tell you the worst profession. One of the very worst professions are law. Really? Now, that surprises me. I I was thinking that it would be like hospitality or some, you know, where you kind of see this. Really? You know, was, women make is, 60% of what men make. In, in legal jobs, 60%. And the national average is 83%. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. And you would think better 
given, you know, okay, it's a profession, it's, you know, everyone's coming out of law school kind of on even footing, so to speak. Um, what is it like, just from your own professional journey, what has it been like to be a woman in the legal profession? Um, and, and you know, what, what have you observed in terms of disparities? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, bear in mind, we only have a few minutes remaining. <laughs> <laughs> and let's, of course, keep this to things that we can share. Yeah, <laughs> in a public yeah. forum. Good point. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I grew up in the Midwest, where um, money was an aspect of privacy, and you never flaunted your money, and you never talked about money, and um, and. You know, I remember going to nice restaurants where um, the prices would not be put on the menus given to the women. Yes. You know, wasn't that amazing? Crazy, crazy. I've been in those restaurants. I was like, really? (laughs) Yes. So, you know, I didn't know how to talk about money. I didn't know how to negotiate as a young attorney. And, um, you know, luckily there, I I was one of the first, you know, groups where there were more women graduating from law school than men. Um, and when I got out, sexual harassment had just been recognized as illegal, but it took the legal profession much longer um, to get on board with that. And um, and the culture is, you know, still very male um, and and based on, you know. The guys, um, you know, they go out golfing and they and they, yes, you know, there's no inclusion there if you're. Yeah. Yeah. There's no inclusion there. No. Yeah. And, um, And, you know, the the type of work that that I got was different than the uh, guy attorneys who were the same level of, you know, years out of school. So I, I had, I had to change jobs a lot. I had to, you know, I learned to negotiate for my clients. And so I learned to negotiate for myself, but I'm Mm -hmm. still, um, I, I still am not nearly as good at advocating for myself as I do for my clients. And, you know, that's, that's deep cultural bias, right? Mm -hmm. That, that women are who, who are want power and who can negotiate a great deal are bossy and assertive. And well, you know, (laughs) yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I hear, I hear the way we get described when we do advocate for ourselves and it, it it hurts. I mean, you know, we're all human. We all have feelings. And just because you're representing your own best interest does not mean that you should be called names. And yet as women, we are called names. And, and it's like, really? I mean, yeah, I have three daughters. I don't want them subjected to that. Uh, I, it discourages me so much that we're still in this mudslinging 
phase of of our society and in fact getting worse i would say i i am yeah. probably less sanguine about um big strides in diversity than i would have been 10 years ago 10 years ago i i felt much more confident that we were moving in the right direction uh what we're seeing now are some some behaviors that that seep into and permeate the the workplace and um it's like rolling back the clock to a time that we had all hoped we would have, you know, put behind us. Um, I don't yeah. know if equal salary makes that that different. So now let's say it you will. get the same dollars, but you still aren't getting the same opportunities. I, I don't know. It, that's it's a lot to digest. Well, and if you're not getting the same opportunities, you don't have to be paid the same dollars. And that's the problem. Yeah, so that's the crux of the matter is if that's, you're never you're not getting invited to the party in the first place. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So equal pay only applies if the if women are doing equal work. Mhm. Mm and we're still not. Right. Right. That's the problem. And and it's, you know, it's a cultural problem and it starts with little girls being taught that they should grow up and find their prince who will take care of them and live happily ever after. Oh my gosh. You're reminding me. And I'm really, you know, like, again, I'm one of the oldest on this call. I can remember when I was in college and, you know, I don't come from a family where this was a thing. So, you know, I come from a family where my parents told us, you can be anyone you decide to be like, yep. like feel a hundred percent empowered, go out and change the world. So when I was in college and girls would joke about getting their MRS degree, I can yes. remember having to like, think, what are they talking about? Right. <laughs> like, right. why would you do that? Well, you know, and, and think that that was a path, like a viable right. path, this singular path for the rest of your life I and had, not finish your education. <laughs> I had two roommates in law school. I had three roommates. Two of them were there to find a husband, a suitable husband who yes. would make a lot of money. And one of them did and, you know, married a judge and does charity work and, yeah. um, you know, is is absolutely happy and power to her. Yeah, but I don't know. I like I like the speech and, and the values of of whether girls boys you know whatever pronouns feel right for you be who you need to be like exactly. <laughs> see the world exactly. as your oyster <laughs> don't yeah, limit I mean, your opportunities <laughs> i i remember wearing a t-shirt in in high school that said a woman's place is in the house and in the senate <laughs> um that was prescient <laughs> yes yes but and, and and that was the 70s. You know, there was all of this women's rights yes. and you could, but there was nobody to show us how to do it. Right. Right. And right. and so, you know, we spent a long time trying to out men the men. You know, with our with our button I was going to say we wore know, button, and our bow ties, suits, and our button down yeah. jackets and yeah. you know i i'm gonna work harder and right. i'm gonna be better and i'm gonna be smarter and and we did and it didn't matter right right um and 
you know, at, at some point, I think a lot of us just said, you know what, I'm going to be myself. Um, and here we go. We'll see what happens. But our generation is the first generation that has succeeded as independent women at scale. That's, you know, I'm gratified to hear you say that because that and 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 at that, uh, because that's quite an accomplishment. So having achieved that, it's also our responsibility to send the ladder back down. That's right. And I think that is so important. I think that's so important. Um, And and to get you know, all the male allies on board. I mean, we've raised our sons not to be sexist. That's having a huge impact. Yes. It's having a huge impact. Yeah. 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 I agree with you. I know we're almost at time. Um, John, we've not given you a lot of, a lot of airtime today. Uh, Did you want to weigh in with any thoughts? You know, I've been sitting here with my foot hovering in front of my mouth, and I think that's a good, safe place to keep it. (laughs) Well, you know, our sound engineer can always edit you out if need be. (laughs) No, no, no. When I I have the privilege of sitting in on conversations like this, I am immensely aware of uh, how important it is for me to keep my mouth shut. And and you both know that that's not something that comes easily to me. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> well, we and, appreciate your support. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I think I think in cases like this, where where uh, um, I'm privileged to be present, um, I can't do anything but reduce the quality of the conversation, and so I won't. Well put, sir. Well put. Well, I know we are we are out of time, Heather. It has been delightful to have you as our guest today. If our listeners would like to connect with you, what's the best way to reach you? Um, probably send me an email at heather.bussing at gmail.com. Fantastic. Fantastic. And, and I do look at LinkedIn now and then, so you're welcome to connect with me there. <laughs> Well, Heather and I are going to keep fighting the fight here, John, here as we as we uh, <laughs> we seek to to level the playing field, not just for women, but for everyone. So exactly. thank exactly. you so much for being our guest today on the work podcast. We appreciate you, Heather. OK, thanks, Heather. And just as a reminder, you've been listening to another wonderful episode of the work podcast. Um, um, I'll say adios for my co-host, Gina Kelly, and thanks again, Heather Fussing. See you the next time around.